The views and opinions expressed by the producers, hosts, and guests of Flash Black Radio do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Flash Black or its parent company. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, beautiful people. This is www.flashblackradio.com. I am DaVinci Parks, a.k.a. Lee Bennett III, and this is, again, Flashback Radio. Uh, on this on this inaugural episode, I guess you could say, or rebranding, I don't know. It's, it's still pop life, but, you know, I just want to focus and drill down. This is the I Am series, and I wanted to bring in somebody super-duper special, someone I've known for quite some time. Uh... Might be short in stature, but she big on spirit, boy. And I tell you that much. Uh, so I've known this this young lady for some time. Uh, when I tell you, like, I know a lot of poets, know a lot of dope poets, but I don't know many, if any, poets with the amount of hustle and entrepreneurial spirit as the person I have in studio with me right now. Alabama girl, turn Virginia woman, mm-hmm. poet. Author and not only just not not just a poet now she's a poet laureate the first African American poet laureate of Alexandria or is it just Virginia or just Alexandria Virginia Alexandria of Alexandria Virginia um, the one the only Miss Kaniki J hello 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 hi hi uh, first and foremost I'm very excited that you're here I'm very excited to be here this is this is long overdue yes this, this is long overdue this has been an oversight on my part uh, you know I. I, I like to do the interview stuff, but like the whole sitting down and like lining stuff up to like schedule people to get them in studio is it, it, it's dispiriting for me. <laughs> people got schedules. Assistant. I I know I need assistant, but I also need to be able to just tell people to like come in when I want them to come in. It doesn't work that way because no. people got lives. Yeah. Um. They but schedules. Yeah, I I wanted to bring you in for a number of reasons, and I, and it's one of those things I also knew that I was going to bring you in early on in this whole endeavor with flash black radio. And it's just one of those things like, I just, I, you know, I got, I got time. One of those things. And then you just like mm-hmm. life gets in the way, whatever. So, um, I am super, ha- super happy you're here. And we were having a conversation, ladies and gentlemen, about the fact that when you know somebody, it's, it's, it becomes a little bit different when you're trying to interview them. So we're going to get through this whole thing the best way we know how. Mm-hmm. First and foremost, uh, I want to, I want to throw out there that, <laughs> Uh, Kaneki, you are a a published author through your own entity, Great Publishing LLC, right? Right. Uh, you've been publishing for a little while, and you just released your latest book, uh, which I plugged in the intro, which is Alabama Girl, Virginia Woman. Right. But uh, this is number four or number five of your published. This is for me. This is my third po- my third poetry book but it's poetry and short stories so this is the first time putting poetry and, and that's what's kind of yeah again yeah. okay and then i have three fiction novels yeah, yeah. okay all right yeah yeah and so, a memoir and a memoir i forgot i released the memoir hey, last, see, look last okay year. all right so <laughs> Yes, so, a lot, a lot, a lot. yeah yeah no 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 so that's what that's dope that, and that's what's up so what i want to ask you is like first and foremost as somebody who has been struggling to get through the process of writing a novel. I've been working on my novel for over a decade now. Wow. And it's a very frustrating um, 
It's it's frustrating. I don't, I don't want to put a whole bunch on it. Whatever. How did how did you get through that first novel? Because I feel like I I feel like did they get easier once you got through your? Yeah, because it's a series, so it's not really veering from, you know, getting new characters, mm-hmm. starting over. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Break, but, break down what this book is about, because then at the end of the day, you're going to do what you right. do anyway. You're going to market. So this is an opportunity. Yes. <laughs> okay, so, I mean, basically, the books, it's a series of books. So if the first book, well, my first book is um, entitled In Real Life. So if the first book is about me and you're my friend, the second book was about you and I'm your friend. Mm-hmm. So you get um, all of the characters' background. Mm-hmm. So you can start anywhere. It's like if I meet you now, mm-hmm. but if I knew you when you were a teenager, I know why you have certain triggers because I remember when you were a teenager this happened. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you get to know the backstory on people. Mm-hmm. So then I have In Real Life, um, The Color Blue, and The Other Side of Pretty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you can read them out of order. Or you can read them in order, but it makes you want to go back and read the other one if you start at the end. Now, when you wrote that, the first when you wrote the first one, did you know it was going to be a series? No. Okay, so there's no way to really say like, "Hey, I'm gonna write this," so you can read this out of order. Also, no. well, you know, how did um, that work out? I started off writing it in like a short story, mm-hmm. and I was letting a friend read it, and she's like, "More, more." So that's how it turned into, basically how it turned into a novel. Okay. Yeah. I was like, hey, she's like, I need something to read. She's a security guard Mm -hmm. and she's working at night. She's like, I need something to read at night because she couldn't like, this was like back in 05. So it's not like you could watch TV on your phone Mm -hmm. or anything. She's like, I'm bored. I need something to read. So this is basically how it turned into a series. Mm. So I have uh, Mavis to thank for that. Were you looking to become a novelist at the time or you just cool just being poetry? I was cool with being a poet. Okay. I wasn't even thinking about it. Interesting. And you just like got into it and you find out you loved it and there's a whole other lane that mm-hmm. you get. Mm-hmm. But this time I was like, I guess I better, since I'm the poet laureate, I probably need a poetry book since I haven't had one since 2002. <laughs> so I was like, I, sh- I probably should do Just whip up poetry. one real quick out of yeah. nowhere. Yeah. I mean, but when you have, you know, decades of work and you've nah. never published it, I just kind of went and picked yeah. and chose what yeah. I wanted to put in it and um, put some short stories in there as well mm-hmm. so people can know a little bit about my background and you know being having them southern roots mm-hmm. so definitely wanted to put those in there too so let's let, let's actually dive a little bit back so i've heard some i don't know if you want to get into it today if you do i'm I'm more than game to listen mm-hmm. i've I've heard some uh a few entertaining uh tales about your father your father seemed like a very interesting man i wish i had had the opportunity to sit yeah. down and like trade some stories with him more more so just listen i got really nothing to trade personally but mm-hmm. um tell me about your upbringing in alabama like what made the alabama girl like what, what are the things that informed you that you that you take with you now and you and you cherish and you hold close to you you know i was and i, I didn't put this in the book but i was in alabama um a couple of years back and I was saying, I wrote, I made a, a Facebook post about it. I wish I would have put it in my book, but I was writing about that this white man held the door open for me. And I was thinking about me being in the South and what this actually means, you know, because back in the day, like if somebody, if the white man held the door open for you, you probably wanted to watch your back if you actually walked through it. But that wouldn't have happened, you know, back in the day. That wouldn't have happened like to my grandmother, mm-hmm. you know, so... Just knowing what happened before I got to these places mm-hmm. is, you know, knowing that certain stuff is a privilege, mm-hmm. you know, that, you know, my ancestors are watching this, mm-hmm. you know, like we've, we've come, come far, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And just to have, um, you know, respect and, you know, 
I was like, thank you, sir. And he was like, you're welcome, ma'am. You know, that's like, and it was an older mm-hmm. white man too. So I'm like, hey, you know, that would be something that probably wouldn't happen to my grandmother. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, my my mother who was born in 49, mm-hmm. she said when she was, you know, little, there was black and white bathroom still. You know, so just knowing, you know, I, I, talk, I do talk about it in the book how my mother, when she was born, in 49, like on her birth certificate, it said colored. Mm-hmm. But then my brother was born in 69 and it said Negro. Mm-hmm. Then I was born in the 70s. My brother was born in the 70s, just five years apart. Mm-hmm. But she went from, when I was born, my birth certificate was black. Mm-hmm. My brother was born, it was African-American. So mm-hmm. I was like, Ma, have you been colored, Negro, black, African-American? You know what I mean? Just knowing you know, that type of history from not in a book, but just seeing that. Yeah. Just know my mom's 70 and just seeing like the stuff that she's seen, the fact that she's still here and there was a black president. It's like, I never would have thought that this would have happened. Hmm. So, you know, I lived in the history. I went to an all white school um, with the exception of three other black people. And it was just, my brother was another one of the black people that was there. Mm-hmm. So, you know. How did that impact you? Because, like, I, I, you you are, I don't, it, you're very, we, we've had a lot of conversations, obviously, off mm-hmm. mic or whatever. So, you are very much, like, down for your people and, right. and, and whatnot. So, like, like how did going to an all-white school, did that have an impact or? It did. Um, I think, you know, people are always talking about how, um, you know, you go and, and the white people want to touch your hair and this and that. Hey, hey, I mean, I didn't have any white friends either. They're like, let me touch your hair. I'm in third grade. I was like, let me touch your hair, <laughs> you mm. know, not even really thinking about it. Mm-hmm. But then knowing that it wasn't really them, you know, being kids, mm-hmm. it was, um, you know, I had a few few things happen to me. I know when I, I had a best friend named Brandy and her mother, um, I called the house one day and she was like, are you black? I was like, yeah. You know, her mother came to the school was like, I don't want them to be friends because I don't want my child to be friends with a black person. Mm. You know, so that was very like, why? Just because I'm black, you don't want me to be friends? And then when I got to high school. Well, well, well don't, don't, don't skip ahead. So what happened? Were y'all no longer friends after that? We had to sneak around and be friends. Mm, okay. Because, and even my teacher, mm-hmm. she would sneak us in the room together. Mm. Because we couldn't be friends. Her mother wouldn't let her be friends. But I was going to say, in high school, like, I went to that all school, all white school. And then when high school came, she came to the school where I was, which was um, back in the day before I went there, it was a white school. But they integrated it by the time I got there. And she came to the door. And her she came, you know, her and her mother. And she was like, isn't that Kaniki? So th- now you want me to protect your girl. You know, be friends with Kaniki now because it's all these black people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now you're the minority here. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, this is so weird. Like, turn. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, yeah. But we were, we. Y'all were friends the whole time and she's Ooh, just she none just the wiser. Know. She didn't know. That's interesting. Yeah. So did, was there ever like a, not necessarily come to Jesus moment, but was there ever a moment where she was enlightened and she like, like in, in your estimation where she's like, oh, like. I, this this fear. Her mother? Of, yeah. No. Crazy. No. No. She was happy I was there to protect air quotes. That was your purpose. Yeah. To protect her. It's like, okay. Kaniki's here. You can talk to Kaniki. Mm. It's going to be fine now. Introduce her. Like, walk around the class with her. You know what I mean? I'm mm. like, nobody's, nothing's going to happen to her. Because mm-hmm. nobody cares that she's white. 
mm-hmm. other than like when I was in school, people was like, hey, black person. Nobody cares that she's white. No mm-hmm. one. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and that, that tends to be a lot of times how we roll just mm-hmm. as people. You know what I'm saying? We we tend to be pretty accepting and loving. Right. You know what I'm saying? Even if you come from outside the community, whatever, whatever. As long as you come in respectfully. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Respect it, it, begets respect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as you come in respectfully, yeah. whatever, it, it typically is going to be all right, you know? Yeah, but what I did learn was, you know, this is a learned behavior. People mm-hmm. just, you know, it's not that they don't like you because you're black. It's because you, your mom and your dad say, hey, you know, they're different than us. I did learn that. Okay. So what happened after high school? After high school, mm-hmm. I went to Alabama State University um, just kind of not knowing what I wanted to do, but just like, oh, it's time to leave the house. Mm-hmm. So I'll go to Alabama State. So I went there and I was, I tutored people in writing. I was not good at math. I can count money though, but I was not I good at that. math. <laughs> but, um, I used to go to uh, class for tutoring for math. So mm-hmm. I used to tutor. I can like write good sentences. I mm-hmm. can write good essays. I can write good paragraphs. So I would tutor people. Mm-hmm. And my literature teacher was like, why don't you t- change your major to English? So in my mind, I'm thinking, you can't get money from writing. So I said, uh, and my, my, um, my major name was computer science. Mm-hmm. So she said, I said, you can't make money off of writing. And then she opened up the book. Mm-hmm. my English book at the time mm-hmm. and pointed to her name. Mm-hmm. I was like, you wrote this book. Mm. No wonder. I remember when I, my first day of class, she was asking me about some, ask, give me a sentence. So I gave her a sentence out the book. She's like, oh, very good, Miss Williams. Next time, give me a sentence that's not out of the book. I'm like, how does she know that this was in the book? She wrote the book. Mm. But I should have known then that you can make some money right with writing, but I didn't take the bait on that. You know. It, it, you know what though? It, it's a it's an evolution process though. Mm-hmm. It's an evolution process. So at when exactly in your life did poetry become a a major thing in your life? It always was. Always? Always. Okay, I can I, remember something. In, from, in I remember womb. for me. In the womb. See, people tell was. me that in the womb stuff. I'm like, I, I hear you, but in the like, womb. okay, this is the thing. When when my mom was pregnant with me, mm-hmm. she read a lot of Nikki yeah, Giovanni true. poetry. Okay. She thought about naming me Nikki Giovanni because she really, really liked her her messages. Mm-hmm. And then she said, well, I should probably give her her own name, which is basically my, why my name is Kaniki. Mm-hmm. So she was like, I'll put Kaniki on there and name her after her. So I always knew mm-hmm. that's where my name came from. I always knew that she was a poet. You know, back then it was, she's a black poet. Mm-hmm. You had to put the black on there. And then my dad was a big uh, Maya Angelou fan. He used to always be... Um, quoting my Angelo, but it wasn't until I know I was like 11 before I realized that it wasn't his own work. Like, this mm. is my Angelo. And I was like, hey, this is my Angelo. He said, I figured one day you figured out that you he used to be <laughs> quoting her all the time. I mm-hmm. thought it was his word. Mm-hmm. And then I had all the Dr. Seuss books. Mm-hmm. And in when I went to the private Christian school, um, they had poetry as a subject. Okay. So I used to re- read um, poetry and win contests when I was in third grade. Mm-hmm. So it's been there the whole time, but I just needed an outlet for it. It wasn't until I moved here in 2000 mm-hmm. to um, the Northern Virginia area, and I and I saw the Love Jones movie. When I saw Love Jones, mm, okay. When I saw Love it's Jones, it now. was a real pivotal moment for me because I saw black entrepreneurship. And I had never seen that before. Mm-hmm. That's something I did not know. I was like, so you, I'm like, so Darius Love Hall, you just going to quit your job and be a writer? 
who does that? You gonna take? You gonna be a photographer? Who does that? It was really. I'm like, so people are actually standing up in front of crowds, reciting poetry. I never seen. I'm like, where does that happen? Mm-hmm. And when I moved here, um, I met this girl named Ayana, and she's like, hey, and she used to always be reading my um, poetry, and she's like, they do poetry at Bar None. That's how I got started with you know spoken word. Mm-hmm. That's how I met you. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was like, in and 2000. I always say like it was very. You know, I, I was like, it, it was, uh, that's why I said I was very intrigued by you, you know, getting other poets together and reciting poetry. I was like, this, this is amazing. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, how do you do that? And I met Brandy Forte. Mm-hmm. Then I met Droopy. I'm like, yeah, it was all downhill from then. Yeah. Yeah. Do you get, are you, is there a shy bone in your body? You don't ever seem to be like no. shy. Like, like no. people don't get it when I, when I perform, but even now I still get nervous. Oh yeah. I still get nervous, but, but I'm like, not shy. Yeah. See, like, I don't know for like to do poetry or whatever, for like, I'm, I feel naked doing poetry. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's like, I'm giving like strangers a Is piece of myself. Is it because of what you're talking about? It's just like, it's just, I'm, I'm, I, it's me just vulnerable and allowing myself to be vulnerable in that way. It just, it's, it's, it's unnerving sometimes. Hmm. You know what I mean? So. For me, it's just but when you get out there, whatever, it's just like you know. Well, see, I I like to talk. I I grew up talking. mm -hmm. You know, I I told like I just told my cousin. You know, I was like nobody can out talk me. So you answer the question that I asked you. I'm not gonna forget my my question. I am a talker. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, my mom dated this guy uh, when I was younger, and they are friends now. You know, Mm -hmm. in their older age, and I said, you know, now knowing us as children and seeing us now. Are we the people who you thought we would be? Because we are missing, you know, 20 something, 30 years. And he said, oh, I'm not surprised that you do something that you speak because you were always a talker. Mm -hmm. So and then my dad never let people hush me. So Mm -hmm. that was very, you know, when you grow up in the the. That's big. My, my dad never let me because that you be hushed. like like children to be seen and not heard. Seen and not heard. You know you're not supposed to speak a certain way around mm-hmm. your elders. Mm-hmm. That's big and yeah. and plus it's like that's that's very southern. Yeah, you know that is I mean? very southern. And yeah. so it was out of the norm when I was talking one day, and then my, one of my dad's friends says, "Little girls are seen," and I heard my dad was like, "No, my daughter's gonna be seen and heard." He was like, "Talk, say something, say something now." I'm like, "I don't have anything to say now." He's like, "Say your ABCs," you know what I mean? <laughs> because he's like, "You're going to be able to talk." Mm-hmm. And I mean, I know, like growing up, you know, I used to talk my dad to death. Mm-hmm. He used to do the little thing. I bet you can't be quiet until this hand reach here, this hand <laughs> reach here, you know. But he always gave me a platform to speak and say how I felt about stuff. Mm-hmm. And children don't get that, you know. And my dad was like, you have to accept the consequences on it. You know, he never made me share my stuff. You know how he like, share with, share your toys with this person. Mm-hmm. And that's no. But just know that if you don't share your toys, they don't have to share with you, you know. Mm-hmm. Just accept that. So being able to talk and having my voice. And I know a lot of, because a lot of women, you know, I do a lot of women workshops. They don't have a voice to speak. Mm-hmm. They're not used to speaking. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, speak up, talk up. But I, I realized that's not the norm, though. Mm-hmm. Women, you know, you have, that's, earning your voice is something you get when you're an adult, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, one of the things, um, and I, you know, you know, Dr. Charlie Brown, right? From, from the scene? Not familiar? Maybe not? Mm-mm. Okay, she used to be in like I know she used to be a job head too. Oh yeah, I do know who that is. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I haven't seen her in a long, long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah, she's a, she's a bit of a nomad. Mm-hmm. But um, we reconnected. Uh, well, we never really lost contact, but we we've connected rather. We so we're collaborating on on this uh, on Flash Black. Okay. 
and she's uh she's in transpersonal psychology. Um and she was saying something very interesting and I think powerful. She's saying a lot of the damage that we receive, uh it's it's damage that we received at like, you know, earlier ages in our life, like four or five, six years old. Yes. And so when we are triggered by that thing, whether we know it or not or whatever, we revert to that age and that's how we respond to things. So a lot of times when you, you have people who are adults who can't necessarily articulate something in a particular moment, mm-hmm. it might have been because they were shut down mm-hmm. at a particular age way back when or whatever. Yes. So, And that's not a thing for you in terms of being able to have a voice, mm-hmm. which, I mean, let's face it, like men and women are both socialized very differently. But, like, yes. you know, I've, you, ladies and gentlemen, again, I've known Kaniki for quite some time. You know when Kaniki enters a room. Yeah. You know, you don't have to. You, you, she can, you can be on one floor of a house or one floor of a building, and you'll know when she enters a room because she, you know, is, is mm-hmm. one of those things. So uh, it's one of, <laughs> one of the things I appreciate. Like, oh, Kaniki's here. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And it, yeah. So and it's, and it's always like warmth and love. So that's that's what's up. So this is what I really wanted to get you on here for. Uh oh. Like like we gonna we gonna we gonna we gonna we gonna bounce around a little don't, bit. Don't, don't. We're going to bounce around a little bit, but I said it before, and I'm, I'm going to reiterate again, but I'm going to qualify it. I believe for anybody who has ears, mm. and I'm not comparing you to, I'm just using it as, a, as an example, but I believe that the likes of a Beyonce knows Carter, incredibly talented woman, mm-hmm. but what I dig the most about Beyonce is her hustle. Me too. Me her too. hustle is immaculate. Me too. That's you know what I'm saying? What I like about her. Yeah, her hustle is immaculate, and like you know, it's it's uh, you can say what you want to say about a Tyler Perry, mm-hmm. but his hustle though. Yes. You know what I mean? And I've said things that have not been favorable at times about Tyler Perry, mm-hmm. and it more so has to do with his writing. Anyway, we step away from that, but his hustle and the business that he goes about doing or whatever, in ways that a lot of us don't think to do it. Same thing with Beyonce. Mm-hmm. I I have no choice but to like you know respect it and say hey respect do right. I think the way you move on on the scene, I've always respected it because at the end of the day, you you like if the lane is not there already, your attitude to me is almost like fuck it. I'll just make it my own. It is. You know what it I mean. Is. And I respect that. So like you know when you talk about like ingenuity, whatever is the nuspus. Mm-hmm. Tell us about it. Well, I said there is nothing for poetry, um, no Grammys, no awards, no anything. So I said, we need to have an award show. So let's create it. And we did. <laughs> it was just that simple. I was like, who, who, can, who can we make a team? And then um, the uh, Afro did a story on the first year we did it. Mm-hmm. And that's how we got the whole um, slogan about, you know, the newspaper is uh, the Grammys for poetry. Mm-hmm. It was in their newspaper article. So mm-hmm. then I started using that in, you know, as promotion. Like, it's, it's the Grammys for poetry. So I don't even remember what year we started that. I think it was 03. That sounds about right. Yeah. People, I think people, it was 03. People want it back, but it's a lot of work. I, 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 I people, can imagine. People think that it's a team of people doing this. It's not. No, it's, it's just me. No, it, that, that's thirteen. That, that's, that's it. That, that's what I want to like. You know, shake your hand for real quick. Because look, a lot of times people they're like, yeah, they want it, but they don't understand the work that goes into it. And at yes. the end of the day, you also got to support it too. I have never been to um, an after party mm-hmm. for the news, but ever, 
ever because I was too tired. Mm-hmm. I was like, how was the party? I n- I've never been because it's a lot of work. Because soon, as soon as you finish that year, you have to start again. Because mm-hmm. you got to recognize everybody for the whole year on what they did. It's a lot of work. So I said, I'll do it again if I have a team. Mm-hmm. So it'll be a minute. Might do the Poets Ball, though. Thinking about that for 2020. Okay. Tell us about that. Well, we did the Poets Ball, the pinpoint ball to introduce the Nuspa. Mm-hmm. So we did that first, and then we started having Nuspa. So... Can you tell us what NUSPA stands for? I'm sorry. We're saying it, oh, but we haven't. It's the National Underground Spoken Word Poetry Awards. There we go. There we go. Yeah. So. Try to be duplicated, but can't be duplicated. <laughs> yes. um, so we go from, I met you in 2000. A long, long, Yeah. Long I met you in 2000. Time. I remember like, uh, like I had seen you perform a couple times, but you, you, I, I realize, especially as I've gotten older, that I read I read differently than than what people like come to know me as. I'm 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 not the best in terms of like meeting people or like mm. like the first like introduction socializing with people because sometimes I'm I'm socially awkward. Now like, let me just say that I'm socially awkward. Mm. I'm aware that I'm socially awkward. Whatever. I'm cool. I embrace it now, mm-hmm. and I understand that like if I'm socially awkward and you feel a way about it, whatever, then it's it's cool. You know what I'm saying? Like. Right. But I am, this is what I am. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes I'll be perfectly fine and sometimes I'll just be on a weird note and you might just catch me on one of those weird days. But um, a lot of people, I was kind of like, like, you know, nervous to like speak to sometimes or whatever. Because it's just like, for me, when I was in the, the poetry scene, I felt kind of out of place in a way. Because it's like, I, like, this is what I felt called and motivated to do. But at the same time, I still had that thing in behind Saying like I need to be responsible and I need to you know have a job and do these things whatever mm-hmm. so I kind of felt like halfway in and halfway out so I didn't necessarily interact with people in the same way as a lot of other people did that notwithstanding when I met you you came up to me mm-hmm. and you know you made yourself known to me or whatever and like hey I'm Kaniki you know and it's yeah. just, you know yeah. it's one of those things like oh okay all right yeah. this is happening you know and I I feel like that that's kind of like you know what what you like. Where does that come from? I don't know. I think it's just part of my personality. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. Um, I'm trying to dig on that. I I don't really know. I just introduce myself to people. Like, hey, I'm Kaniki. You should know me. <laughs> that's what I tell yeah. Like, you should know me. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's good. So, I don't know. So. I, um, as far as poetry is concerned... Um, I was watching uh Brandy mm-hmm. on an interview a long, mm-hmm. long time ago before she was, you know, uh, the big time Brandy when mm-hmm. she was just coming out. Mm-hmm. And she said she used to go to places in uh, backstages and say, hey, I'm Brandy the singer. And people used to let her in. Mm. I said, hmm, I'm going to try that. Mm. So I started doing that. And then I'm like, hey, I'm Kaniki, the poet. And people started letting me in places. And they started, now I didn't have to pay for stuff. Mm. So, I mean, you just got to be confident about it. Mm-hmm. And then when you go back, people are like, hey, that's Kaniki, the poet. <laughs> so, it really worked. It really worked. I might have to like try to try incorporate to, some of this stuff. To, but you got to be like confident with uh, it. It's not a problem like, being confident. Be it's not like, you know, again, I recognize my awkward. My problem is also that like, I don't see as well as other people. So, I'm like, hey, anything you leave? Like, why are you saying that? Like, oh, my bad. I didn't yeah, see you, bro. Yeah, I didn't see you. Hey, I don't- <laughs> I can definitely understand the seeing thing because if it wasn't for contacts and some glasses, it'll be a problem. It would be a big problem. So I definitely get that. 
So you okay? So I think I think it's relevant. Before we get to this next step, because I, I have a couple questions I definitely want to ask. But can you explain how you how you transitioned from or why you transitioned from Alabama to Virginia? I always wanted to live in Virginia, and this is this is a funny story. I when I was at Bethany Christian, mm-hmm. we were coming in from recess, and the teacher had us line up. She gave us two. She went down the line, gave us two thumbtacks. She mm-hmm. said, brought us into the room one by one. She had this big map up. She said, look at this map and find out what state you are. Find your state, find your city, and put the thumbtack there. So I did that. So she said, look and see where you want to live. So I just looked. I saw Virginia, put a thumbtack in it. From then on, I kept saying, I'm going to move to Virginia. Mm-hmm. I used to tell my brothers, y'all are going to miss me when I move to Virginia. My mom said, you know we don't know anybody in Virginia. I was like, I'm going to Virginia. This is where I'm going to live. And I manifested it for myself. I basically, I didn't know how powerful words were and you can manifest things. That's why I ended up living. Mm-hmm. So I actually came to Virginia. And when I saw the slogan, when I landed and I got off, I lived in Norfolk for five years before I moved here. And then I got off the exit and I saw the sign that said, Virginia is for lovers. I was like, I'm winning. I'm winning. <laughs> Virginia is for lovers. But Virginia has been good to me. So, yeah, so that is how. If people don't know any better or whatever, they might think because you you have been a staple for Virginia poetry. Yeah, but you know I always for, claim Alabama. I know you do, but you've been a staple of Virginia poetry. Mm-hmm. And like Alabama might not be able to get you back to a certain extent or whatever. They love like, me when I go back though. You roll a lot you roll you a lot of people from the Virginia scene know you, know who you are. Mm-hmm. You're you're I don't want to say like it's a gang or anything, but you are well affiliated <laughs> <laughs> with, with with the Virginia poetry scene. Yeah. Uh so how how long did it take for you to to basically go from being like i'm coming from alabama to i got to virginia i'm here i'm on the scene how long did it take for you to get it in your head that hey i want to be a poet laureate like what was that process like did it just like hey did you do research i feel like you probably did research did you do research i i did after i got an email i went to something and they put me on an email list and they said, you know, Alexandria was looking for a poet laureate, which then the process was totally different. Like people nominated you to be the poet laureate. Mm-hmm. So I sent in, had people to write in and, but anyway, didn't get chosen. But when I first moved here, the poetry scene was on the DC circuit. Mm-hmm. So most yeah. of the things I did was in DC. I just integrated into the scene and, and just had more events in DC. So... Then I was like, oh, um, who won before me? I said, they all of their events are in Virginia. So I need to bring stuff to Virginia. Because basically I'm I'm leaving my city to go po- to poet to poetry elsewhere. Mm-hmm. But if people are driving from Richmond and Norfolk, they pass right through Alexandria to get to DC. Mm-hmm. So I just want this to be a stop on the way. Mm-hmm. And because DC make you pay for parking all the time. And Virginia has parking lots and garages and it's cheaper. I'm like, there's, and that's what I always advertise to. I'm like, there's free parking or there's garage parking. So, yeah, I mean, you know, once you get older and going into the city and leaving and all of this, you know, I said, if I can go around the corner for some poetry, that's what I'll do. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you have to create it. If you build it, they will come. So what has it been? So you you were installed as a uh, poet laureate. Uh, when was it? I know April. it was this year, April. Um, thank you very much for inviting me. 
Yes. Glad to be there to support. Yes. Um, what has it been like for you? Because I'm again, you're the first. It sounds kind of weird because it's, it's 2019. Busy. Yeah, it's busy. You know, um, Fairfax Times, um, it's Fairfax, Virginia. Mm-hmm. They called me for an interview. And the young lady that was interviewing me, she asked me, um, you know, being the first black poet laureate, do you feel that your responsibilities are different than the other poet laureates? I said, no, I have the same duties that the other poet laureate had before me. It's not different. It's just that I'm black. So, but everybody wants to be like, and I said, I guess it is. It's history. It mm-hmm. is. But I wasn't thinking about it like that. Well, There's, yeah. It's been all, you know, white poet laureates. They just did an um, event that I was out of town for. It was like a poet laureate event for like, you know, anybody, all the poet laureates came. But when I looked at the, the group picture they took, I said, there are no people of color in this photo. So it's not just here. Mm-hmm. It's other places too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't think, you know, I found out about being a poet laureate. Black people, if if somebody says to me, you know, Lee's doing this and he's cool, go check him out. Another person's word telling me to come to you, I'll just come to you because of that, and that person's word. Mm-hmm. And people are, that's not in our community, you need a title. Mm-hmm. So in order for me to do certain things, I was like, I, I need a title to do it. And that has been the difference. I've been doing the same thing that I've been doing all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, like the city calls me to do other stuff now, but I've been doing this the whole time. Mm-hmm. But in order for me to get the recognition, I need a title. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was like, in order for me to bring poetry to this city, I need a title to do it. So that's basically why I went after it. Okay. So it was a business move. It was a business move. See, yeah, and, and, and this- do. Yeah, I'm gonna do it anyway. Yeah, yeah, but see, a lot of people don't like. A lot of people just, you know, it'd be cool to be a poet laureate and mm-hmm. to have like the actual. But you're using like, nah, this is this is LLC tax write off material right here, or whatever. Yeah, like, you know, you when I start it. doing these things as poet laureate or whatever, this is getting written off. Yeah, because so- <laughs> you know, now when I call places and I'm like, hey, I'm the poet laureate. I actually called a restaurant to make a reservation, and this guy said, uh, I said I'm Kaniki Jakarta, and he was like, you are a poet laureate. I said, I sure am. I was like, hey. I'm famous. I was in the paper. I've made it to the front That's of the nice paper. That's nice and he knew that. Yeah. But I mean, when I had to get in front of the board and talk about what I would do in my first 90 days as Poet Laureate, those things were already booked. Not what I will do. This is what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. But now I'll be the Poet Laureate of Alexandria when I do it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's busy though. Busy how? Because now I had all this other stuff already booked. Mm-hmm. Now I have the Poet Laureate stuff booked on top of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's what I mean by busy. I've been busy the whole... In April, I had three days that I didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. It was Poetry Month, of mm-hmm. course. Mm-hmm. But I already had stuff booked. And me, I just... Everybody called me and asked me to do something. I said, sure, <laughs> I'll do it. Mm-hmm. I was excited, but I was tired. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to be better. In 2020, I'll be... I'll get more rest. Okay. In twenty, we got a couple months left in twenty twenty. Okay. All right. You got to plan out. I mean, I already booked shows. I right, both right, shows look, I already look, booked look up ahead. to April. You no, know that's what that's you can you can tell the the tone of that 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 turned into a family thing real quick. Twenty twenty, I said. Twenty twenty. Don't make me say it again. Twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. Say what I said when, when I said. Rest in twenty twenty. Meant what I said when I said. All right. All right. I was like, all right, cool. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. You Let's got let it. it go. Let it go. All right, so so how 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 has how has this roller coaster been for you? Like ha, like have you 
has um, it been everything just, you expected or has it been like un, is any been any surprises like what No big surprises. Like I, I knew, like I said, I knew with the title I can get more stuff done. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I'm just now settling into the fact that I'm the first black poet laureate because everybody has to say that part. So I'm just settling into that mm-hmm. and just trying to figure out what I want to leave as a legacy. So, I mean, it's three years. The, this is the first year. I mean, in April, it, that one year will be gone. So just trying to figure out what I want to do and um, what kind of collaborations I would like to do with people. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I asked a little bit about the the Alabama girl. Mm-hmm. When, in your estimation, is there is there a watershed moment where you feel as though you became a Virginia woman? When I moved here. Okay. I mean, because I moved here when Step I was twenty. Like, when wow. I was twenty one, uh-huh. I was eight. I I moved here in uh, July nineteen ninety five. Mm-hmm. I had just turned twenty one in January, mm-hmm. so it was. I when I came here, I was legal to drink, even though I never drink, mm-hmm. but to drink and to get into bars. And now I'm adult. I'm an adult now. So um, Alabama had the girl. Virginia has the woman. Mm-hmm. I became an adult when I moved here. So. And had to handle business on your own. Yeah. Okay. So, as somebody who, like, you know, we've talked about, like, you know, establishing the Nuspas, Pinpoint Ball, we talk about Don't Let It Happen to Poetry, you know, mm-hmm. you had some ties to that. Obviously, got great publishing, mm-hmm. you know, where you, you've published several works at this point. Uh, you've also done audio CDs and, and things of that nature. Uh what motivates you to like to to keep moving forward? Is 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 there something? Are you are you chasing yourself, or is there something else you're looking at? What motivates you to do what you do and continue to look to move forward in the way that you do? Uh, it's my purpose. If I don't do it, then I'm not serving what my purpose is. I realize that you know one of my purposes is to put people together. So. I see people doing different things. And I said, hey, you're a singer, but you need a writer. I'm like, hey, he writes songs, but he's not a singer. Mm -hmm. You know, here's somebody that can sing. So I realized that is my purpose. When I meet people and I connect them to each other and then I see them like on Facebook and they're doing things together or they're hanging out. I'm like, yeah, that is I'm the person who links other people because for some reason, everybody thinks I have all the information. You should see my Facebook inbox. They're like, hey, do you know a caterer? You know, a psychologist. Do you? I mean, people are always. But it's funny because most times I do. <laughs> I do yeah. know people. So because I'm the person that goes up to people and say, "Hey, I'm Kaniki. Who are you? What do you do?" <laughs> you know. So that is is that's my purpose. So if I was not doing that, I I don't know what I would be doing. Okay. You don't seem shy. No. You don't seem to 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 scare easily. You 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 have a lot of uh, a lot of moxie. I'll say. I'm gangster. No, <laughs> <laughs> I do. I can fight. So yeah. It's what good. what what is there anything that that scares you at the, at this stage of your life? Is there anything like that that gives you pause? Um. And why, if so? I think nothing scares me right now. I don't like Halloween, but that's holding the story. <laughs> Nothing scares me, but I I have a real hard time with death. Mm-hmm. 
Um, not me dying. Mm-hmm. You know, I you know I have been telling the story about how I found out my heart was functioning at twenty two percent. That's a whole other story. Mm-hmm. And I had um, two heart conditions, and I was not afraid. I was saying, "Hey, you know, you have to fix this because if I die, people will be devastated." I'm not afraid to die, mm-hmm. but I think I don't deal with for a while. You know, I was telling my brother, I was like, you know, I, I wasn't making friends mm-hmm. because I was scared they were gonna die. Mm. So my brother was like, uh, we have a big family. You know, a lot of people, people are going to die. And if you don't make friends, then soon everybody will be dead and you would just be here alone. So you have to, you have to, you know, have better exterior. Like you have to really accept that people are going to die. So that is the only thing that makes me uncomfortable, mm-hmm. I would say. So don't die, Lee. We, you got to stay here. I'm, I'm, that's die. my plan. I, know, <laughs> I, I won't be here for another good at least four or five decades. Yes, hopefully, please. I said good though. I don't want to be just like just good. hanging on by a thread. Just good. like you know, exactly. nah, nah. I want to be healthy uh, and have my wits about me, but and be able to walk around. Yeah. So mm-hmm. at this stage of your life, you, you've had a lot of transition. You came here, uh, started. Well, you became a woman once you got to Virginia. Mm-hmm. You're you're a married woman now. Been married for over ten years now. Mm-hmm. Um, you are very much motivated to to uh, um, push yourself forward. You don't need a lot of like help. I don't think from what I can see outside looking in, and I could be wrong. If I am, correct me. Do I need help? It, like, do you, does, what, does anything in particular motivate you? I mean, I, like, is there I a driving I, force? Ideas. You know, a lot of people want to collaborate with me on things, and people don't move like I move. If you say we want to do this thing, like you're ready the next to do day, that shit now. yeah, I'm ready to do it now. I'm the same way. I am the exact same way, and I and it's and it's bad because you know, like if I ask if I ask my husband for a drink of water, I'm like, I'm thirsty. Can you bring me something? I want you to get up and get it right then. Mm-hmm. If I started to get up and get it, he's like, sit down. I'm gonna get. It. I'm like, when? Because mm-hmm. when I want something, I want it right then. Yeah. And so people don't have the same drive that I have. Mm-hmm. So if I, you- I'll make a plan and and get it started. I'll start making phone calls. You said you want to do it. Let's get it started. But it's hard for me to work with people who don't move that way. How is it collaborating with people? Because I like I like to collaborate with people. I find it like there's it's great to be able to like you know because I I have a lot of strengths. Mm-hmm. But it's it's great when you can like mix your strengths with other people's strengths or whatever. You can get right. a lot of stuff done if people are of the same mind and energy to collaborate. I found over time personally a lot of my experiences where collaborating has been dispiriting. Yeah. Because people don't move. Like you yeah, say, oh, so you have to go in and, and, and now, because that has happened to me too, I have to go in and say, well, what's, what is your goal in this? What is your end game? What have you done? What can you do? Mm-hmm. You know, and I ask people, what are your strengths? What do you need me to do mm-hmm. to help you with this? Mm-hmm. And then knowing that you don't take it over or, you know, because if my name's on it, I want it to go right. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, this is the way I move. I got to be motivated. So unless you're ready to do it right now, let's talk later. Mm-hmm. And come come back to me. I'll be around. I'm going to be here. So people come to me all the time. Why, how do you write the book? How do you, Are you finished writing the book? They say, no, when you finish writing the book, then come back and talk to me. I tell people that. <laughs> no, step number one, finish the book. If you, I want to know how to publish my book. Have you finished writing it yet? Yeah. That's step number one. Yeah. That's step number one. If you don't have it written, then let's talk about it later. So Man, that's you, how I. You that's that, how, you tough love over that's there. That's how I save myself. Man. Do you know how much information I've given away that, and time? I and can research? guess. I research for people. Yeah. And then you don't use it. Yeah. For us to say cool. It, that's frustrating yes, too. Yes, it is. That's frustrating. It people is. like I want to know how to do this, whatever. And you give the information and you and talk they don't to do them. It. Like yo, what's the, what's the deal? And it's one of the reasons why I don't like being a salesperson. No. No. 
I, that's just not my calling. That's mm-hmm. not my thing or whatever. I like to be able to be informed and know what the salespeople know. But I don't like you to be sold on stuff. Mm-hmm. And I don't like to sell people. Like I give you the information and what you do with it. And I have to like learn that if I give to you information, it yeah, you yep, do nothing it with it. That's not on me. Yep. Um, what grounds you? Family. Mm-hmm. I love family. And I mean, not and the people who I've chosen to be my family though. Mm-hmm. You know, getting together, you know, um, cooking together, mm-hmm. talking, playing games, and that's that's very grounding to me. Yeah. Okay. What's next for Kaneki J? Next. Let me think. I have so many next. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna finish out the tender this tenure of. Poet laureate. I'm, 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 gl- yeah. I, I'm glad you corrected it. Suddenly, like, finish out this tender. Like what? Tender. It's... Tender. Finish out the tender. Tenure. <laughs> okay. And um, <laughs> I probably gonna finish this fiction series mm-hmm. and finish I, it. Finish it as in like wrap it up. Wrap it up. It's okay. three books in it, and I think it's gonna probably be seven. Mm. So I'm gonna finish that. Damn. Okay. And um, present some different. Um, other programming, more workshops. Mm-hmm. I said workshops are, they're apparently my thing. I didn't know, but they are. So I have an HR background. Mm-hmm. So helping people get jobs, I'll probably move that into some training. Mm-hmm. And um, I have a brand for women. So I'll probably be doing that. Men want me to do stuff. I wish men would find somebody else to be their leader because they're like, where is our workshop? Can I come there? I'm like, it's called right like a woman, mm. not like a man. I need y'all to find a man to, to do it. So, yeah, workshop. I got and- a comment, but I'll say that off mic. Uh, <laughs> find you a leader. I, I got the most basic and, to me, obvious comment, <laughs> um, but I'll make it off mic. Okay. Um, I guess, you know. I, I was I was about to wrap up on that, but well, not quite. But actually, let me backtrack a little bit. Mm-hmm. We've talked about Kaniki, you know, you coming of age a little bit. I don't, you know, I don't know how because like your your stories be epic, <laughs> and it takes time to get into them. Um, so we might have to bring you back. I'm totally cool with that. Okay. Um, but we talked about you, like you, some of you, like what informed you in terms of growing up as a kid, mm-hmm. um, um, what informed you in terms of turning into a young woman, um. And we talked about you as a hustler and an artist. Right. How is it balancing all of that and, like, you know, having, like, job, like, nine to five job? Mm-hmm. Like, this is, like, these things, like, putting together something that has to go, it's an annual project each year right. for the newspapers, for example. Mm-hmm. It's not, like, in, like, a couple of days and you're done. You got to, like, you know, arrange things. It's got to be, like, you know, a place to do it or whatever. You got to be able to track people and mm-hmm. be, make people so people got people got to be able to submit their votes online and there's a whole well, thing. Yeah, the new social media has helped. Yeah, yeah. So, but all all I'm saying is that all this is like, you know, when you when you're doing something outside of what your 9 to 5 is, like you have to really be on top of it to actually execute it properly and you, you know, you've been doing this for some time now. So, mm-hmm. how has it been managing all of that? Like like is it like like is there is there an, an exit strategy to get out of the the nine to five rat race is for me it is i like i change careers mm-hmm. to be um in hr because i like giving people something mm-hmm. so i said what can i do that's rewarding to me but i want to go to work and do so i said either i'll work in college 
where I'm giving people financial aid mm-hmm. or either I'll give people jobs. Mm-hmm. So it ended up being on the HR side. So this is something that I'm still communicating with people. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, help help people like, let's write this resume. Let's get it so that you can be able to get jobs. And I didn't think about the fact that I have to fire people. Mm-hmm. I didn't think about that part. You know, have to discipline people. I didn't think about that part. But mm-hmm. it is a job that I really, really like. And I mean, I, I actually bring that into poetry. I'm like, hey, who works in the medical field? Anybody looking for a job? <laughs> you know what I mean? So I can kind of move those into each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to the to-do list that my mama told me to make is just, I always have had a to-do list. Being organized is the key. Mm-hmm. And then prioritizing is the key. Not just having the list, but prioritizing the list and saying, what can I get done today? So... I try to get people organized too. Okay. But I don't I don't I don't um I don't want to get out of the nine to five, but I just want time. You know, the fact that I can work from home. Yeah, time is precious, man. Yeah. I, I want to get out of the nine to five because the idea, the concept that has been sold in in the in the system of capitalism, and at least as so far as it goes in this country, because capitalism mm-hmm. isn't the same everywhere you go. But in this country, it is structured so we are convinced, and I say we as in society, mm-hmm. we have been convinced that we need to work until we're 65, 69 years old before we can retire yeah, that's and then settle. And like, like you want me to give up the best years of my life to work for you to build your little pyramid mm-hmm. and you can have your, mm-hmm. your dream now. You can have your, your best life now. And I got to wait till I'm like, you know. You know, potentially, like, and it's, it's yeah. I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not for that. Right. You know what right. I mean? There, there's, there's a way to get to where I need to go a lot faster in terms of like being able to do things on my terms. It's just I have to be more serious and like intentional about it. So that's the thing that I've started to like shift personally mm-hmm. in terms of like you know I. So it's the insurance. It's really the insurance medication. You know, like I said, I have two heart conditions. Mm-hmm. That medication without insurance, it's a it's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But then we have a job. I was like, I just need enough working hours to be able to insure mm-hmm. and have insurance for myself and my family. That's it. Mm-hmm. You know, but finding the job that gives you the other time that you need, mm-hmm. that's the niche you need. Mm-hmm. Like I said, when you have a job that you can say, hey, I'm working from home where I can go do a poetry something in the daytime and do an interview and I can work from home. It's, if you find that job. You're good to go. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go in the office. It's a lot of jobs like that now, though. You don't have to. I have a friend who is a lawyer. She her her job. She has to go in the office once a month in Philly. Mm-hmm. She lives in Maryland. One time, one time. It's not bad. Yeah, it's not a bad deal at all. That's what I'm saying. So she probably, probably skipping to the office too. Like yeah, she's like I'm. Hey not, everybody. Yeah. So you <laughs> finding that niche, finding something that gives you extra time is the thing mm-hmm. I think. But I don't see myself just sitting in the house. No, 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 no. I'm not though. suggesting that. I, I've done yeah. that though. Yeah. I've, I've, I retired, quote unquote, mm-hmm. in uh, 2006. I went back to work uh, in 2008, mm-hmm. end of 2008. Mm-hmm. Traveled around. It was great. Mm-hmm. But then insurance. Then you needed insurance. Yeah. You know, my husband got sick, and I was like, "Oh, we need insurance. So I got to go back to work." So it's America. Yeah. My friend Colette said the other day, "Every other place is healthcare." And we have insurance because every other place has free health care and we have to pay for it. Yeah. We got to pay for everything here. It's ridiculous. Yeah. To be well is ridiculous. Yeah. So 
Kenneke J, I'm 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 ask two more things of you. And then then I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna thank you for your time and ask you yes, to plug yourself. But because but time is important. Time is important yes. and time is also money. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask two things of you. The first thing is, would you like to share something? You know, I I brought your, your latest book down. You know I have a couple more upstairs, but I brought your latest downstairs in case <laughs> you see. want to pull some out of here, or whatever. You can. Yes. Um, you know. Uh, you can whatever whatever's on your spirit to do. If you have something off the top of I your mean, head, I guess that you since I'm do. the poet laureate, I should probably do a poem. Yeah, but you you do whatever you want to do. I ain't telling you what to do. If you have something off the top of your head that you want to do, that's fine. Okay, up to you. That's my first number one. That's number one. So yeah. first, we're gonna start with something from the book. Page. Well, no, well, no, well, no. We'll see. I like that. I'm gonna ask you something separate after that. Okay. This goes good with what we're talking about. Okay. Okay. This is. Page 56. It's a poem called Walking. <clears throat> me, me, you, you. Okay. <laughs> when a toddler stands for the first time, an audience assembles. A cheering section emerges. Hope urges a first step. Hands reach towards her in case she needs help. We all know that she can do it. So we wait and we anticipate the steps she'll take. The ones that will give her the cognizance and confidence to walk in her walk. And when she falls, she's met with applause, hands extended for assistance to help her stand again, encouraging her to begin again because life is a walk and we're all willing to talk her through it with a little bit of encouragement. But when an adult stands for the first time, an audience of naysayers assembles, awaiting a downfall, an assembly of onlookers, no hands extended, only fingers pointed in the wrong direction, no compassion, no affection, but life is a walk. And some people are afraid to get left in the steps of the past. Sometimes we have to make our own paths, nothing leading the way but determination and hope, walking a tight rope of the unexpected, swallowing rejections like a horse pill. But you can't stand still, not if you want to live. Not if you want to make life for a living. Not if you're willing to take a chance on yourself. Sometimes you have to encourage yourself. Sometimes there'll be no one there to help you but you. Sometimes you have to be your own cheerleader, your own leader, your own boss. Whatever it costs, sometimes you have to go broke to be enriched, to be whole, to mold yourself into yourself. And with God's help, anything know everything is possible all right say word yes thank you for that you're welcome thank you for that i think that was very apropos mm -hmm. so what i would like you to do now miss kenneka j i want you to plug yourself like like you know like what what you got going on like you know bus boys all that good stuff what you everything got yeah plug it oh okay and like plug plug because i mean it's not necessarily gonna go out like tomorrow this podcast right but like you know, you know, you have a lot of stuff that you like do. You you do repeatedly that that, that people can find you. Where can people find you? Okay. Where can they find your your works? Where can okay. it, you know if you're hosting perhaps somewhere as a hostess? You know. Okay, right now you can find me on the podcast. That's where I am. <laughs> my name is Kaniki Jakarta. You can call me Kaniki Jakarta because that's what my mama named me. Um, my website is kanikijay.com. That's K A N I K K. IJ.com. I am a workshop facilitator. I um, 
present a quarterly workshop called Write Like a Woman in Alexandria. I have an event coming up in January called Don't Let It Happen to Poetry, um, January the 11th, 2020. And then I have a poetry slam, a friendly poetry slam. It's the last Friday of, of April. 2020 and then i have some a, a whole lot of other events going on in april because it's poetry month and i have uh my latest book alabama girl virginia woman it is a collection of short stories and poems it's available on my website and i have a memoir that i released last year called uh, peace of mind m-i-n-e because peace belongs to you how to be the wife of an epileptic honor your files and honor yourself and i'm available for your upcoming events. That's it. Say I'll word. Happy. I'll be happy to do it. Say word. Well, I I just want to say that I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. Because I know you could have been any other place but here. I appreciate it. Um, it's always good to see you. It's always good to be around you. I'm thankful for your friendship. And I thank you for your participation. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is Mrs. Kaniki J. This is www.flashblackradio.com. I am Da Vinci Parks, a.k.a. Lee Bennett III. And this is the I Am series under, I guess, what would be Pop Life. I'm still figuring it out. But it's on Culture Shock. This is the brand. You know, you look at Culture Shock. That's what a lot of stuff on Flashback is under. So check us out. Uh, if you listen to podcasts on Stitcher, if you listen to them on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Music, where are all those places. And, of course, you can listen to us on the website www.flashblackradio.com we are on twitter at flashback radio and at flashback news we are on instagram at flashback radio and if you check us out on facebook we have a group and page just type in flashback and you will find us thank you so much for your listenership we ask that you continue to share uh rate us you know give us some stars subscribe you know all the good stuff we need all that algorithms matter ladies and gentlemen mm-hmm. we try to do this for y'all so uh hit us up with that love and uh, continue to come back and engage all that good stuff until next time stay blessed stay woke one